For this month's professional spotlight, we have Dr. Laura Abbott from the Midwifery team. I don't know if you've been in that situation, watching TV or reading a magazine and see someone that inspires you. You wonder how they did it. You also think they were born with special powers, but we tend to tell ourselves we could never achieve the same impact. Now, we are so lucky to have our special guest today who will be able to share with us how she has moved from an academic idea to making an impact in policy and in a wider world. Laura is going to talk to us about her research looking at the issues facing pregnant women in English prisons. Thank you very much, Richard, and it's a real pleasure to be here today on the HSK Student Pod, and I can reassure you that there are no special powers involved. Wow. I now hand you over to Laura. What we know about women in prison is that they make up around 5% of the prison population in this country, and many of the women that are in our prisons are um, from difficult, disadvantaged backgrounds. For example, we understand that 80% of women are suffering from some form of mental ill health. Um, around 70% are um, substance abusers and addicted to alcohol or drugs. We understand that approximately half of the women in our prisons are also victims of domestic violence, and many have suffered um, complex and difficult childhoods, including being looked after children or maybe victims of childhood um, sexual abuse as well. We understand that there is approximately 600 pregnant women in, in our prisons each year, but we don't currently keep the numbers. Um, we don't know very much about pregnant women in prison, and that's what um, drove me to try and find out about their experiences. What research has been done is usually through eyes of the staff or um, has been more of scoping exercises rather than a qualitative piece of research. And I really wanted to uncover what women's experiences were of being pregnant in prison. So what I did um, was a qualitative ethnographic piece of research which is a naturalistic inquiry, and that involved approximately 260 hours of fieldwork in three prisons. And that took over about, that was taken over about 10 months. And I also um, was able to audio record interviews in depth with 28 women and 10 members of staff. 22 of those women were in prison when I interviewed them, and six women were post-release. And in total, I had 58 interviews to analyse. And throughout my study, women described their struggles as they tried to balance managing their pregnancy symptoms with maintaining a kind of sense of bravado, so trying to meet their physical needs whilst trying to blend in. And these tensions created an overriding sense of strain which is carried through the pregnancy and it potentially can impact upon a woman's physical health and that of her unborn baby. We understand that stress can be um, passed across the placenta, especially in the third trimester of pregnancy. Um, there's conclusive evidence that suggests that toxic stress can really impact upon an unborn baby, in, including future behaviour of that child. 
Um, and women also described to me how their nutritional needs were not met. Um, they were often hungry and they um, found that they couldn't drink the water in the prison and it was very difficult for them to meet their nutritional needs. And another thing that women would talk about was the shame of being handcuffed to and from antenatal appointments. Um, and that was common with all the women that I spoke to and they described their humiliation and embarrassment. Um, and the majority of the women, I, I, 76% of the women that I interviewed were in prison for non-violent crimes. And they described how they felt that the public was staring at them and the perception of the woman being a bad mother was really strong and they were very upset and distressed by that experience. I also found that there was a lack of necessities available. For example, women would tell me that they couldn't get hold of things like breast pads um, and that was very difficult and, and also caused a lot of shame. Some women had their medication delayed on reception to prison, including for mental health and blood pressure conditions. And one woman lost her privileges because she felt too nauseous to work. She had a condition called hyperemesis gravidarum, which is where um, you feel constant sickness and nausea. Several women I spoke to were working up to their due date and going back to work soon after giving birth. And I found that there were significant threats to the safety and well-being of pregnant women and their unborn babies. And this included one woman who gave birth in her cell. Staff also told me about their experiences of cell births. One said, you're delivering a baby and you don't know whether that baby is going to be breathing. Another said, we all panic and hope it's a good nurse that's on. Another said, we were like... We've got a baby in prison and we didn't know what to do. And another said, we don't have mobile phones in prison. So a mobile phone was brought down for the nurse to ring to be taught through delivering a baby. Commonly, women were unaware of their rights and entitlements and this led to expressions of frustration and disempowerment. And the lack of clear guidance for the treatment of pregnant women led to staff uncertainty and feelings of insecurity in the women. My research really offers explanations of how the prison system falls short in taking pregnancy into account, which subsequently impacts upon the pregnant woman's normal bodily physiology, exacerbating her suffering. The gap created without a dedicated, mandated perinatal women's policy leaves women and babies at risk. The prison environment means that women strive to manage the physical symptoms of pregnancy, such as hunger, nausea and discomfort and stress levels are heightened and women told me that they were especially frightened at night time when they're locked in and we know that high levels of stress can adversely affect the unborn baby. One woman told me if I wasn't pregnant I wouldn't be so scared. I can't defend myself being pregnant. I just feel vulnerable. I interviewed some women who were going to be separated from their babies soon after birth and their experiences were complex and difficult, and anticipating separation was especially distressing for women. <laughs> it's funny because I put sweets on my belly and we play games and I like move her, and like her back's round here the minute like that. We play games. I do tell her I love her and that her dad loves her and that I'm sorry, 
I wrote two pages of her saying how sorry I am and everything like that. But social services have probably put that in the bin. I really hope that I'll get a place in the mother and baby unit, but they said no. I've appealed, but I haven't heard anything. They said, oh, social services said we shouldn't give you another chance. I was hoping to breastfeed her to get that bond with her while we're in it, but obviously she's getting taken away, so there's not much point. I would like to meet the people looking after my child, just say thank you. I'm kind of hoping they don't get too attached because people like to snatch up newborn babies, don't they? So the anguish of separation soon after birth would often mean that women really wish to disappear and blend back into the prison populations and numb their feelings and become what they said to me was a normal prisoner again. However, for women who were leaking milk, not being able to have access to breast pads was a particular concern to them. Some women told me how they had to improvise with tissues, gauze, and by tearing sanitary towels in half to soak up their milk. My baby was three weeks old when I was sent to prison. I was breastfeeding, but combining it, because if I was going to prison, I didn't want it to be a shock to his system. So when I was sent away, he went on formula. I was leaking for a while, but after that, it just kind of dried up. I wasn't in pain or nothing. I had to put tissue in my bra because I didn't have any breast pads. I've never hurt anyone. I've never been violent. I obviously did something wrong. For some women, prison was actually seen as a bit of a sanctuary, especially those who may have had very difficult lives on the outside. And seven women in my research talked about um, prison being a bit of a safe haven, somewhere where they felt safe from the difficulties that they may have been experiencing on the street or as um, substance abusers. And what they told me was that pregnancy could be the turning point for them if they're given a chance to keep their baby with them. It took three tests for me to believe it. Obviously, while I'm in here, it's got the best chance of getting better. So yeah, I am lucky in a way that I did come in and I did need it. So I've got that. Um, Like I say, I believe everything happens for a reason and I got picked up when I did at the right time. But yeah, it does feel different. And I mean, they don't treat you much different in here, but they, they, they do in a way. Do you know what I mean? They support a lot more in here. They're quite supportive anyway, but I must say when you're pregnant, they're, they're very good with you. But yeah, it is worrying what I've done to the baby. I know it's not going to be easy. And I know some babies can have problems with, well, because obviously it's going to have to be weaned off because I'm on methadone. So now I know I've got all that to come. It is scary, really, but... I think sometimes you're better off in here than you are out there. Sometimes I really do. Yeah, and I know that's a sad thing to sit here and say, but I just don't know which way to turn sometimes. And I just keep going back and back because no matter which way you turn, it's not either one way or the other. So you just take, I think, the easiest road. I reckon this time I might change. I never know. To sum up, my research looked at the experiences of pregnant women in English prisons and my findings demonstrate how complex it is 
to navigate the prison system, especially when a pregnant woman's rights and entitlements are complicated to access. And also for staff, the complications are difficult for them to manage in view of the rights and entitlements and them knowing exactly what the women are entitled to. So the inconsistency of provision of basic requirements was something that I found quite striking. And I named this um, in my research as institutional thoughtlessness, which builds on the research of, a, of a, another researcher um, and looks at the system being a patriarchal system, especially when considering the pregnant woman, where she really is not catered for by our prison system. When we set up a prison, we don't think about pregnant women. It's not something that we consider when we instantly think about prison either. Um, also, the stigma that's involved and the shame that women experienced um, was something that was quite striking too. So women, unlike any other kind of prisoner, by the nature of being pregnant, would be in and out of the prison system over and over again on hospital visits. Um, visits that they may make more frequently simply because of the nature of the type of women that you'd meet in prison that was pregnant, she was more likely to have risk factors. So she'd be more likely to need to visit hospital more frequently. And the shame of coming in and out of prison and revisiting that stigma over and over again was something that women um, would tell me about and the embarrassment and shame that they felt. But I also found that pregnancy could be a unique turning point for women. So women that I categorised as safe haven women, although they're in the minority in my study, could view their pregnancy as a time to get clean from drugs, to sort out their health issues, and to really um, encourage them in becoming a mother. And sometimes, although women may have had multiple removals of their babies, being given an opportunity or a chance to make a change and really um, made a difference to some women. And I found that women that I'd interviewed post-release who'd been given an opportunity to keep their baby were now in full-time employment. Their children were well brought up by them, looked after by their mothers, and they'd turned their life around. And the woman, if she had been on drugs or alcohol previously, had managed to get clean and stay clean. And they often credited one particular person or healthcare professional that really took a chance to see them as having potential to be able to be a good enough mother. So when I set out to do this research, um, I didn't realise the, the, the scope or the impact that it would have, but now I have um, undertaken this research and the findings are so important to share. And I believe that, you know, hopefully working with other organisations such as the charity Birth Companions who um, work with pregnant women and, and new mothers in prison, it means that I can share this research with um, the inspectorate, which I have done, with the Care Quality Commission, which I have done, but also um, at government level. So I've been able to meet with um, government shadow ministers and also present my research as evidence in the Human Rights Committee 
on the 6th of March. And it's really important that the message gets out there. And I think that we shouldn't underestimate our own ability to be able to really make an impact and a difference with the research that we do. And in fact, we have a responsibility to do that. When I was undertaking this research, women um, would talk to me about them feeling invisible and not having a voice. And I felt that it was very important that the, the women's voices were represented and shared. And also, I hope I've demonstrated the importance of qualitative research. Actually, having women's narratives, their stories, has a huge impact on our public's imagination and also the way that the government will perceive um, the messages. I think the women's voices really do have an impact. Laura, any final message you can give to HSK students who are undertaking research or to the first-year students who are starting their journey in health and social care professions? Laura, in your final message to our listeners, can you also tell us how did you get from an idea to presenting in Westminster? Please tell us, how did you move from step A to step Z? Thank you, Richard. I'd start with saying that um, one of my final messages would be to um, not forget how much of an impact that you can have. You know, when, when I was starting out in um, as a student nurse and then as a student midwife, um, I realised how much of an impact I could have on, on an individual just by being caring and compassionate. Um, but when you're undertaking research as a health professional or a social work professional, I would suggest that first of all you find a topic that you are really passionate about and something that will sustain you whilst you're undertaking some research. Um, but along that journey, I think it's really important to remember that you, um, although you can individually make an impact, that you cannot do this on your own. So I would suggest that the people that you network with um, work with outside agencies who share the same passion as you. Um, for example, I uh, have spent um, much time over the past six or seven years building up a relationship with the charity Birth Companions who work with pregnant women in prison and new mothers and have uh, written with them and work alongside them. Also other academics and um, health professionals and social work professionals who work in the same area as me. So building my network and, you know, working also with those who have lived experiences. Um, I, as I said, um, sometimes women would say, you know, uh, I, we don't have a voice. However, never underestimate how important it is to work with those who actually have the lived experiences. I have been able to um, report my research and and um, speak out about the conditions that pregnant women have experienced. But um, you know, the, the the real power is in those who have experienced experienced themselves. Um, I would also say that um, you do need a little bit of courage as well, and I won't say it is easy um, going up there and speaking to people in um, who I, I feel um, who are in very senior positions, especially in government. It's not easy, but it's important to sometimes take some courage and be a bit brave in these situations if you want to make changes. So don't be afraid to speak out. Um, 
and I would suggest you know if whether you're a first year student nurse or a student paramedic or social worker or midwife um, you know the person in your care your um, is the most important person you need to be their advocate and I would say that advocacy is really really important and that's what I'm hoping to do here um, it's it's quite hard to put in a nutshell how I move from a to Z but I think just keeping passionate about what I what I wanted to do and also realistic and passionate about what I would like to change too um, has sort of helped sustain me um, but I, I would say that sometimes you do things not because they are necessarily easy but sometimes you do things because they're a challenge and I quite like a challenge as well so um, I would say that's my my final message be prepared to be challenged Laura, what a beautiful and encouraging message you have left with our listeners. I'm sure our listeners, especially HSK students that are undertaking research, are going to take on your key message. Laura, thank you so much for the wonderful and useful information you have shared with us today. We wish you good luck in your forthcoming presentation in Westminster and hope the government listens to your recommendation to highlight the issues facing pregnant women in English prisons. It's been my pleasure, Richard, and thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure, Laura Gandhi. We wish you good luck. Thank you. I also need to thank the following ladies who worked with Laura, Emily Brighton, Georgia Panico, Ella Porter, Holly Morton. Thank you for your fantastic actress skills. You are amazing in helping Laura to portray her message.